Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Eloise Clark, and you are listening to the Untick the Box podcast, the show that aims to shine a light on underrepresented voices across industries and offer honest career advice to those wishing to join them. Like what you hear? Make sure to subscribe. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. I am very excited to introduce our next guest. Today, I'll be speaking to Marsha de Cordova, the Labour MP for Battersea, a role she's held since 2017. She's also held positions as Shadow Secretary of State for Women and Equalities and Shadow Minister for Disabled People. Now, as someone who is registered blind, Marsha has dedicated much of her life campaigning for disability rights. And in this episode, we discuss how that's impacted her decision to become an MP and also advice for others who are considering a, a career in politics. Uh, now, I also wanted to let listeners know that at a couple of points throughout the episode, you may hear some background music that kind of like sounds like the start of an announcement. Uh, we were recording in one of the parliamentary buildings. And as I found out that day, <laughs> whenever there's a sitting in the House of Commons, they play that noise to announce the start of a new order of business. So that's just the joys of recording where we were. Uh, but apologies if you find that distracting. However, this is still a great episode. And so I hope you enjoy it. All right, well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marsha. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here. It's nice to finally get, I know we've been trying to get know, this meeting in for ages, so know, it's right. So much keeps happening. And then, but listen, we're here now and we're doing it. So I'm I mean, really, you're, really you're a busy woman, so thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> well, for any listeners who don't know who you are, would you mind giving us a little bit of an intro? Of course, yes. So I'm Marsha de Cordova, and I'm the Member of Parliament for Battersea in South West London. And have been for the last uh, five and a half years and I see it as obviously the biggest honour and privilege to get to serve and represent people in Parliament. Amazing, thank you. Uh, well, what we like to start all these podcasts with, because yeah. we're um, really trying to understand everyone's background, how yeah. they've got to where they are today and some advice for other people, is mm-hmm. whether you could give us a bit of insight of where you grew up and what your childhood was like. And then what led you to get into politics? Great. Okay. So growing up, so I'm originally um, from Bristol, mm-hmm. which is in the southwest. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in quite a large family with lots of extended family um, as well. So we were a family of, of six. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got lots of siblings, mainly boys and one one sister. Um, and, you know, we had a really great um, childhood with, with all my family and stuff. I'm, I'm visually impaired, so I have a, a condition called nystagmus, mm-hmm. which is an involuntary movement of the eye, and so I was quite severely short-sighted, so mm-hmm. where all children are clumsy, I was that a little bit more clumsier than like everyone else, I was always the one to kind of mm-hmm. walk into things or be very accident-prone, but mm-hmm. I obviously that kind of makes me stronger now, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and growing up, and you know, education, you know, there were many challenges that I faced, um, yeah at school and then obviously college and university mm-hmm. um, as well. But um, I've always just remained quite quite determined mm-hmm. um, in all of that. And then I had a quite extensive career working over 20 years in the community and not-for-profit sector, mainly in the charity sector. Yeah. Um, focusing a lot around disability rights and the rights mm-hmm. of uh, disabled people. And I've been lucky enough because of my own lived experience yeah. to kind of marry up my, my purpose and passion yeah. professionally kind of fusing those together and so spent a lot of time campaigning yeah. and, and doing a lot of um, policy development and and just trying to influence government to mm-hmm. improve uh, the lives of disabled people yeah. mainly around employment and labour laws and also social security and uh, independent living so that's where I spent most of my time um, mm-hmm. also you know 
my kind of purpose, as I've said, has always been around wanting to make a difference yeah. and be a voice for the voiceless. And I know for some that sounds quite cliche, but that literally, yeah. quite literally, is, is what I've done throughout my throughout mm. my life. And making that transition into public service and into politics really was because you know there's only so much you can do yeah. on the other side of trying to influence, yeah. and, you know, shape and inform decision makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but being part of that process, being part of the kind of the political space yeah. to try and bring about that real positive change. That's one of the, the, the flaws of recording yeah. in Portcullis House in the Houses of Parliament. You're going to hear that. We aren't expecting any votes, but anyway. Is that what it is? Is no, that no, what it is? That's just the timer, but yeah. So that's, there you that's, go. that's mine. fine. That's just mine. At least it's all very authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. We're recording in Parliament now and we've heard a dick. I don't even know what that's for. That's great. <laughs> um, cool. so, so, yeah, naturally you yes, wanted to get one be one. in the middle of the yeah. policy change. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And also for me as well, you know, we all sometimes sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. or kind of sit back and yeah. rant and, you know, and complain about things or, you know, mm-hmm. make a lot of noise. But I really wanted to be part of it. I wanted to get yeah. in court, as they say, and try and bring about some positive change. And, mm-hmm. you know, I first stood um, for local government, for local council back in 2014. And okay. I was an elected councillor mm-hmm. um, then in the London Borough of Lambeth, yeah. representing uh, a ward called Larkhall. And, you know, being a, a local elected politician, you are really that community champion. And I always say, you know, when people ask me about being a councillor, it's not just about, you know, planning and, and potholes and things like that. Yeah. There's so much more to it. You literally are right there in the heart of your community mm. and trying to bring about change for local people. And I loved it. And I, I do believe, actually, that being um, a councillor kind of gave me a good footing for yeah. doing the job that I, that I do now. Yeah, well, amazing. Yeah. Well, I know you were Shadow Minister for Disabled People and yeah. Shadow Secretary of State for Women and Equalities yeah. and then decided to go back to focus on your constituencies. That's right, yeah. Would you ever consider going back if, if Labour were to go to power, for example? Would you go into the Cabinet or are I, you more focused on the constituents for the moment? I mean, my constituency is obviously going to be my priority. Yeah. And I have to say, for me, it was a, an absolute huge honour to mm. serve as um, the Shadow Minister for Disabled People, mm-hmm. given my background yeah, and my of course. own experience and helping to shape Labour's policy for disabled people. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, serving with um, uh, Keir in his mm-hmm. first Shadow Cabinet when he was elected leader back in 2020, you know, honestly, it was just a, a massive <laughs> privilege to do that. Yeah. I support him in the leadership election um, as well. And, you know, working on Labour's kind of policy, equalities policy was also... Um, a great privilege yeah. also a lot of learning mm-hmm. um, and you know wanting to see so much change in many different spheres because it was during the pandemic and yeah. we saw the disproportionate impact the pandemic was having on mm-hmm. certain groups particularly on disabled people but also yeah. on um, black and ethnic minority communities yeah. as well as women because the gendered impact yeah. I think sometimes goes so unnoticed um, mm-hmm. and we're kind of you know seeing the kind of true impact of it now as we kind of morphed into a cost of living crisis um, as well. But, you know, to answer your question, I feel that, um, you know, I want Labour to win the next election. There's just no question about it. (laughs) I'm working every single day for a Labour government. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if I was asked to to serve and come back to the front bench, I absolutely would do that. Of Mm -hmm. course I would. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, if you're in government, you're going to really have the opportunity you know, to make things happen. Exactly, and make it a step even further, step isn't it? Further. Yeah. And again, this is why I do what I do, because yeah. I want to change people's lives. Exactly. So if we're in government, then absolutely we've got 
I would, if I was asked to serve, and I'm, you know, hopefully Keir will, I will do that. Mm, okay, yeah. amazing. Thank you. Um, well, as you mentioned, you are registered blind, yeah. and you, I just wondered how that impacts your daily life and work as yeah. an MP. I mean, obviously, yeah. you've spoken about passionate yeah. the passions for actually going through policy and trying yeah. to change some of the rights there. But mm. in terms of your day to day, how does it impact you? And do you think it's changed much since you've started as well? Yeah, well, you know, um, it's interesting because I was born with my condition, so I don't know um, any different. And right. So yeah. I've pretty much had to um, a develop thick skin, but b always be quite forceful and upfront mm -hmm. about what I need and making mm -hmm. sure I get what I need as yeah. well. And that's been that's worked really well. But coming here, it's such a different kind of institution. Yeah. It's like no other workplace, believe me. Um, so I've had to kind of really push for a lot of things to, mm -hmm. a lot of adjustments to be made to make sure that I can, you know, carry out my role as an yeah. MP to the same kind of ability and capacity as my colleagues. And in terms of the things that I need, good lighting really helps. Mm. Um, um, you probably can see from this estate, it's like greatly lit in some parts. Yeah. Um, I need all, everything in large print because I read things in quite large print. So mm -hmm. making sure, you know, my order paper or, all my papers that I have, whether, you know, for example, the budget papers from last week have yeah. to be produced for me in the right formats and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I also have a sighted aid, so I have a PA that's always with me to help okay. me get around. And that really helps particularly in my constituency when I'm out and about or I've got visits and events to, mm. to attend as well. So all of those things have to be in place. And, like, obviously I use um, – can I give a shameless plug to Apple? Of course. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm recording off an Apple laptop. Okay, well, <laughs> because, you know, I believe Apple products really transformed the lives of blind and partially sighted oh, really? people. Because what Apple cleverly did was have built in accessibility functionality and features within all of their um, right. devices. Mm -hmm. So from the iPhone to the iPad to the MacBook. I mean, I've used all those things personally. Anyway, yeah. But here, I, they've also made sure that I have all of those um, mm -hmm. bits of kit so that I can fully, you know, use my iPad or use my um, Mac um, book, you yeah. know, um, in a good way as opposed to using other devices that currently probably don't have the best accessibility uh, functionality already installed. Um, so that also um, really helps. And then I have little gadgets, like I've got a little monocular that I use in the chamber to kind of read the enunciator because we still haven't found a solution mm. um, just yet to make sure that I can see the enunciator in the chamber so what I kind of would need is my own almost like mini enunciator on my yeah. iPad so I can see but at the moment I'm using a little monocular which is doing the job but I think they could do a little bit better in that okay. respect um, mm. still haven't really mapped out times when I'm giving speeches so there's a timer on this on the screen where the enunciator is but I can't see that so I'm quite reliant on colleagues to let me know when I've got like a minute left or okay, 30 yeah. seconds left, which isn't ideal, no. um, actually. So we're still working on um, a solution five and a half years on. Um, wow. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the main, and obviously, you know, getting around and about, I have transport as well because mm -hmm. it makes my life so much easier, particularly, particularly um, when it's really dark. So, yeah. so that helps. But um, one of the other problems, I suppose, is not, not everyone recognizes that I have a, a visual impairment because they think I just crack on so yeah bad. I just get around in a van I do mask it very well actually but um you know other people fully understanding so you know if I go and order something downstairs at the coffee shop and mm -hmm. I say oh what do you have here and they point to the wall the, the menu on the wall and I'm like 
can't see her. Um, yeah, but this is the thing, disabilities are not all visible yeah, exactly. and we've got to remember that, right? And that's, that's the thing, you know, it happens when you go to South, so when I'm shopping, you know, mm. I was in a supermarket, which I shall um, not name, and I said, oh, you know, can you just put these through for me because I can't be self-serve? And he's like, oh, why can't you use it? Mm. And then I said, to, and I don't, I hate having to say it, but I told him, and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry, da, 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 da. But you know, you should never ask somebody yeah, why. Someone exactly. says, can you please do this? Like, just do it. Yeah. As to... <laughs> You know, questioning them as to why, because also that leaves a degree of vulnerability for me. Of course, everyone around me to know why. Yeah, I just want you to just put my things through. Self-serve. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just you're asking politely. At the I end know. of the day, it's yeah, just, just, like... just do your job. But um, but you know that that's what it is. But again, the barriers that I face here, you know, in terms of navigating this parliamentary estate, for example, there's lots of glass doors, and mm. I've asked for you know like. Um, coloured labelling on these glass doors so we can kind of see right, where yes, the doors and, yeah, are yeah, yeah, so yeah. walk into them um, and also on steps as well making sure we've got like you know markings on steps so that mm-hmm. I can see edges of them and you know they have done made some of those kind of um, tweaks mm. I think they could do do so much more like you know just the lighting like I said at the start is still quite poor so I'd like to see um, something mm-hmm. some more lighting installed and to make that better yeah because um, i know for a fact for example i know that wouldn't just help me that would help a lot of people exactly frankly, older people as well it's like you know my business cards like i have everything large printed large on them and when i show them to colleagues they're like oh i should do that because yeah. everyone you know every site you know everyone cite the territory yeah older. absolutely but you know so you know two things really in that I'm happy, you know, I will face all these barriers hoping that I can break them down. So exactly, that, yeah. You know, I want to see more disabled people coming into Parliament because there's only five that are self, self-defining self or, or have actually, actually disclosed it. Mm. But also secondly, you know, on the, now I'm on the back bench um, as a local MP, I can also champion some of the issues around eye health and sight loss, which is, yeah. what, I'm, what, which is what I'm doing and I'm spending a lot of time on as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and no, I think that's really important. It just goes to show why having greater diversity Mm. in the workforce Mm. is so important because someone who is able-bodied might Mm. not think about, well, won't think because it's not something that they have to face every day, which is why we need to bring more people in that are having different lived experiences because as you, well, as I said, you just Mm. don't think, if it's not front of centre of what your everyday life is, it just doesn't become a priority, but it should be because it's someone else's life that they have to deal with. Exactly. So raising that awareness is important, but but also, you know, everybody kind of understanding it as well. So in Parliament this week, I'm leading a debate um, for the International, um, UN International Day for Disabled People. Uh, And so I'm really pleased that we've secured this debate and it'll be in the chamber Mm-hmm. three-hour debate where I can really highlight um a what the convention is which is a which is an excellent um uh, document really yeah. about you know disabled people's civil and human rights but also highlight some of the successes but also the challenges that we still have to face yeah. and you know where government need to do better mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of improving our public realm in, improving education and mm. improving the labor market and so forth yeah well, that's an amazing piece of work, and I'm glad I'm glad you got the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I guess touching on kind of some of those experiences that mm. you've just spoken of, mm. what do you think are some of the bar- other barriers that people face wanting to get into politics, whether they're disabled or, or not, really? I think, you know, politics is, 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 is a tricky old business, isn't it? Because mm. 
um, there are many things. Firstly, you know, you pretty much have to be attached to a political party because yeah. you if you're running as an independent, you're not mm. going to get any any support unless you can yeah. self-finance. So there's a, there's a barrier right there, right? So you're going to need to have money. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, you know, I mean, I was lucky in the sense that I live in London and I represent a London seat. So mm. it's slightly different for me, I think. Um, but, for, for you know, I think in life, for example, women have... Other, sometimes have other priorities. Yeah, um, politics isn't uh, hasn't always been a, a welcoming space for women. It's, mm-hmm. it's improved massively. Yeah, um, over over the you know over the last 20, 30 years, and I attest that to a Labour government actually. Um, yeah, and all the changes that they introduced um, to encourage more women um, to stand. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I believe today it's Ask Her to Stand Day, which is so important to encourage other women. And I do that a lot. I mm-hmm. I support women. I mentor young women. I always yeah. want to see more women in these spaces, but also letting women understand you don't actually have to, you know, have come from a certain background because you yeah. come from a very working class background. I don't come from any um, degree mm-hmm. of privilege. I've just had to work really hard, which I'm sure you would attest to it as women. We are always told we have to work yeah. hard and harder than anyone yeah. else because, you know, to have the barriers are just slightly greater yeah. um, for us. But also, you know, I, I can't shy away from the fact that I, I'm also a woman of colour mm-hmm. um, and so that there are those challenges and representation yeah. really matters um, in that space because, you know, when you have a diverse workforce or a diverse parliament, yeah. it naturally or inevitably will lead to better decision making. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's going to have, you know, just better outcomes for people mm-hmm. and that's really what we want to strive for and, yeah. and achieve. Um, in this space, it's it's not easy because yeah. we a we still not at a fifty percent um, mm-hmm. gender diversity in Parliament yet. Yeah. You know, we certainly are only. I think we're hovering at around ten percent when it comes to Black, Asian, or ethnic minority representation. Mm-hmm. I think, as I said earlier, when you think about disabled people, there are only five MPs yeah. that have actually disclosed that they are mm-hmm. disabled, which is you know less than one percent. So we have got uh, a long way to go to improving yeah. that, but. You know, some of the challenges of time, you know, being a candidate yeah. um, requires time and it requires resource. And, you know, I was really lucky. And when I stood as a candidate, it was snap general election that was called in 2017. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, it yeah. wasn't like years of campaigning. Yeah. And, or else it would have been really difficult for me to do because mm-hmm. I had a full-time, quite demanding job as, yeah. as a director. So um, having a short campaign really kind of benefited <laughs> me to, to a certain degree. But, you know, it's time, it's resource, and it's support. You know, mm. our political parties have a duty and a responsibility to support our candidates um, mm. from all backgrounds. And one of the schemes that I massively benefited from when I was standing as a council candidate uh, was the Access to Elected Office Fund, okay. which was a fund for disabled candidates that they could apply to. It's run by the GEO, or the then Government Equalities Office. Okay. Um, where you could apply for a grant, basically, yeah. to be an effective candidate. And that's what I, I was able to access. But, you know, the government have cut that. It no longer exists. Right. So when you kind of take away some of those kind of levers of yeah. support to people, you're then going to be reducing the pool of candidates mm. and that you can get. But, you know, yes, we want funds like that, but also our political parties have a responsibility um, as well to mm. ensure that all candidates are supported and to do their job in encouraging candidates. So I know that my own party has a future candidate scheme mm-hmm. program that people from all different backgrounds can apply to and go through and get that support that they need to stand as effective candidates um, in some of our seats around the country that will be coming up. 
Incredible. Do you have a specific age limit on that? Can anyone apply? Any, anyone can apply from any background, age, from anywhere in the country. So, it, you know, and that's what we're seeing now. Mm. I'm seeing lots of candidates um, get selected from, you know, all over the country now, which is which is great to see. And, you that's know, I just want to see more women, more, yeah. you know, more people of colour and obviously more, more disabled yeah. people as well. Because I think that's, that's crucial because I think the more of us that are here, Will make the how make the, the authorities here understand yeah. that they have to do better. Mm-hmm. It's like this whole parliamentary state is undergoing a huge restore and renewal yeah. um, program of change. And one of the things that I keep banging on about is mm-hmm. how are they going to make this accessible? How is inclusivity, yeah, you know, front and center of every kind of stage of this development process? Mm-hmm. Is it because if it's not there? Then it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I guarantee. It needs to be there in someone in the room actually All making the these decisions. Yeah, I go back. You know, Apple built in accessibility <laughs> at the start. Yeah, and now you know most people that have uh, that have any condition to do with their sightness, they gravitate to Apple products. Right. That's really interesting. And yeah, it's because just like, it's just all there. That. It's built in. Yeah. Because before, if you had to buy, say, if I had like a, a, a laptop and I needed to, you'd have to buy in external software that would okay. cost you 700 pounds really yeah. on top of your kit just another barrier again for people who have a precisely who, yeah exactly exactly how are you going to afford that so with apple yeah you pay a little bit more but you're paying for a high-tech product and it's already built in yeah so it, it's great the only thing i haven't the only thing i haven't done <laughs> is do a watch yet yeah. that's the only thing i haven't kind of moved on to because I'm, I'm just not great with tech and i'm just thinking oh this sounds like another thing but i'll get there eventually i'm sure <laughs> No, I don't have the Apple Watch either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like I'm someone the only one that's like, well, I my watch that I can't be got. Yeah, exactly. I got mine when I was 18. I was thinking, I've just got a bit of nostalgia to it. You mean you were 18? I thought you were much younger. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. I appreciate that, but no. Um, well, going back to actually some of the barriers mm. uh, for people getting into politics, I know that you run a political school that yes. we touched about. Yeah. So I was fortunate to help out with that. I um, so I wondered whether you could just say a few words about what it is and, and how that works. Well, firstly, can I just say, <laughs> so grateful that you and the guys from Milk and Honey were able to participate oh, in the political summit. It was school. honestly so much fun. I oh, really enjoyed I mean, it. It's, it like, you know, one of the things for me is about, you know, my priorities is about opportunities for Mm-hmm. And want to create them, whether it's in education and exposing them to different kind of opportunities, yeah. whether it's in politics and media, journalism, or you know what you guys do as an agency. Yeah. Um, and so I run this a political summer school for um, young people across Battersea. Yeah. And they come and spend five days in Westminster mm-hmm. with me and our, they they kind of understand about national politics, but also local politics. Mm-hmm. But you know that that how power can actually influence and bring about change yeah and also understanding how, how campaigning and being an effective campaigner can be mm-hmm. the role of the media in in that yeah. space as well but also they get to kind of, i mean what i try to incorporate as well is you know we've got the mayor's office and city hall and understanding kind of that role in mm-hmm. kind of london regional uh, politics uh, as well and mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for them to also hear from parliamentarians so yeah i you know i get people to come in and address them and speak as did yourself yeah i get you know our trade unions to come in and speak so they understand about activism and you know organizing in mm-hmm. the workplace they also hear from local councillors and mm. local governments we get journalists in to come in and kind of talk yeah. about you know how that works but then i'm really proud of the aspect of the campaigning element so i get like a national campaigning charity and yeah I get like a local 
Battersea-based charities. Mm-hmm. So we kind of understand it from the local, but mm-hmm. also the national bigger picture. Yeah. And, you know, they then get a real good understanding about, you know, what role they can play yeah. in their communities. You know, it's, you know, last week it was UK Parliament Week. And one of the key things of that week, you know, when I was speaking to young people, is just about, you know, the role that they can play and how they can influence change mm-hmm. at such a local level. Yeah. As well. So no, it's a great. I, I I'm so pleased with how it's been running. We've only it's been it's you know I've had done it for two years. Yeah, now. two that yeah. 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 So it's a second world, and mm-hmm. I really hope um you know next summer we'll be running it again, mm. uh, and we'll get lots of students wanting to uh, participate as well. So how do you advertise it? Do you just go through the local schools? Yeah. yeah. So we use. I mean, that's the, the hardest bit is, is is advertising because you go through the schools, you do you know social media and all of that. Yeah. And also the community and young people's charities and organisations mm-hmm. locally and we're going to come to people like yourself <laughs> yeah we could definitely else. help with that yeah <laughs> um, and stuff and just you know really word of mouth and, re- mouth and really putting it out there we also I get inundated with requests for work experience and yes. so for me that's a great opportunity to kind of signpost them exactly, to the yeah. summer school as well so that's also how we get it so mm. as long as they live or go to school in Battersea they can be part of it Brilliant. And, and age-wise, is it between year 10 and 13? So, so we, we essentially say from 18 upwards. Okay. Um, because right. that kind of, you know, yeah. it makes it easier. Before <laughs> yeah. higher education, yeah. if they were to go there. Precisely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. No, but that point about work experience mm. is actually key. Uh, mm. We go into schools mm. to make people aware of, well, young people aware yeah. of careers in PR as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know when I was in school, I didn't even know of it as a career yeah. option. You're kind of taught about lawyer, doctor, the traditional. Yeah, the traditional. But no one talks to you about exactly. PR and, you know, the, the role that you guys play. Yeah. It's just such an amazing field and profession. And I yeah. think everybody should understand that. And it goes back to being exposed to it. Exposure is exactly. so important. Yeah. Yeah, and so a lot of young people are not exposed mm-hmm. to so many different aspects of, you know, professions and careers and so forth. And yeah. so it's important what you guys do and others are doing yeah. in that space to kind of raise that awareness. Because that's where it comes with opportunity, mm. where if you are from a different area, as you said, those exposures mm. are just completely different mm. and that can set you on a back foot through no fault of your own. Mm. And it's just, that's where we've got to make those, um, that's why those programmes to kind of help and equalize i guess yeah. those opportunities are so important leveling yeah. that's the word leveling, I it's leveling, leveling the playing field it's so, yeah it's so difficult you know i and i'm so honestly i, I can't express how much like i just want to see all young people have every opportunity but also mm. grasping those opportunities yeah. that might be available to them you know because mm-hmm. sometimes i think and sadly i feel that they, a lot of them have been written off over the past decade mm. um, by this government and you know it's so important that Everything we do is really about investing in them yeah, and, and allowing them the opportunities to really flourish in life, I think. They are, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but the young people are the future. And mm. I do think... It's true, though. It is true. It's and true. they are, you know, it's easy to feel mm. negative about what's going on in the world because yeah. of just the way the news agenda mm. is and stuff. But when you do speak to young people, it's mm. amazing how passionate and positive yeah. they are and dedicated to wanting to change the world in a Absolutely. positive way and it, honestly I'm speaking to kids that are like 14 15 yeah. I'm like you've got a head way above your years they actually do care I mean I had a I had an event last week with some schools uh, from Battersea and you know all young people they were just passionate about yeah. changing things and wanting to make a difference mm-hmm. and you know these aren't young people that you know are wanting to do anything but yeah succeed and do well and I and Whatever I can do to support that and nurture mm-hmm. that, I'm going to do. 
Yeah. So what would your advice be to a young person that is trying to get into politics or at least trying to get into campaigning? Do you have anything that you wish you knew when you were starting out? Oh, my goodness. I think a long list. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, I wasn't really exposed to a a career in politics Mm -hmm. growing up. That wasn't, it was the usual, you know, lawyer, doctor, those traditional career paths um, and stuff. So, I mean, one of the things I think is important, I think young people should talk about politics from a very young age, and that doesn't happen. That needs to change. Um, But, you know, my advice to all of them is I think every young person should think about getting a career before they go into politics because... Mm, Right, that's really interesting. I feel that everybody should have experience. And that doesn't happen, actually. Mm. Young people kind of get a job in politics and then they want to be a politician. And that's absolutely fine. But I also think having that kind of lived and life experience before coming into politics, I I think that counts Mm -hmm. and I think think that matters um actually um, yeah. because you then bring all of that expertise whether it's in education whether it's in health whether mm-hmm. it's in law whatever you kind of bring that with you yeah if that isn't your route and then you want to kind of take the other routes like you know you can take a, a route from pr mm-hmm. public affairs yeah campaigning exactly. yeah so many routes but get that get that kind of experience first mm-hmm. and then kind of make that transition yeah obviously you're you've got to kind of look at where your values are which mm-hmm. were you know, which will then determine where you kind of align yourself politically yeah. and be involved in, in your political party mm-hmm. at that local grassroots level because that's where you learn, you know, because there's campaigning kind of publicly, you also got campaign internally within your party structures um, as well, and that's going to be equally important. I think finally on that point, you know, you have to be rooted in your communities mm. and, you know, yeah. and everything, you, you know, being part of your community because that's when you're going to know what the issues and challenges are mm-hmm. that people face and you're going to want to help campaign on those issues trying to influence change on mm-hmm. those issues so you know being rooted in your local communities as well is going to be yeah. important and mentors mentors i mean i've right. had mentors even today you know it comes up everybody a lot. Yeah. needs a mentor mm-hmm. um, and not just one you can have mentors for very different things yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely uh, and, and things so and you know i would say to people don't just see someone and ask them to be your mentor you need to know somebody to ask them yeah. to be your mentor do you yeah. understand what i mean because it because you have to build a relationship with that, yeah. with that person but never be afraid to ask if you know someone and you've got a good relationship with them Never be afraid to ask them, mm-hmm. you know. Or even if you don't know somebody very well, but just ask to meet them for a coffee. Yeah. Or a tea, if you don't need coffee. <laughs> but, you know, and have a drink a beverage. A beverage. <laughs> hey, beverage. That's <laughs> you know, um, oh, ice cream. <laughs> um, and just kind of have that um, engagement. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to know them and just pick their brains. Mm. That's the key. Pick people's brains. Ask them any questions. You know, be curious. Be yeah. very curious. And, you know... I always say, never be afraid to ask questions that you think, oh, they might think, you might judge me by based on the question you might mm-hmm. ask us, you know. But never think like that, because it's all about you building your knowledge. Yeah, so. exactly. And you find, in my experience anyway, mm. when you ask questions or advice in in a particular area, most mm. people are very willing to help anyway. Precisely, exactly. Um, I don't think I've ever had the situation where someone's been like, oh, why are you asking me for help? Like, it's, it's, exactly. it's a lot, it's a privilege, really. It's kind Precisely. of, it's nice it's to be asked. Kind of, it's it's oh, our absolutely, own kind of yeah. challenges, isn't it? Yeah. Where you think, well, maybe I shouldn't ask that, but now you've got to. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important. Yeah. But, you know, absolutely, that's some, well, very good advice there. <laughs> but that mentoring thing does come up a lot. Yeah. Like, everyone we have on this podcast do say the importance of mentors. I mean, I, for one, have two. Yeah. I, I just think um, it is very important. Yeah, I don't think it's so, something it's people so, realise so is as important yeah. as it is. 
Um, and I guess we've spoken about young people a lot, but do you think it's necessary to be to start out young to get into politics, or would you say you could get in from any age? I would say any age. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't start out from a young age. <laughs> so I'm not very young at all. <laughs> well, you but, look great. <laughs> Very kind, um, but no, I think you can get in politics at any age, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I know it's younger and younger and younger, but I think you can get in politics at any age. Yeah, yeah. no, Definitely. I think that's important. I guess yeah. if you're passionate about something, just yeah. go for it. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, as you said about the values, if yeah. that's core to you and you're yeah. passionate, then yeah, You've got absolutely. Go yeah. Great. Well, if you could go back in time to your younger self, is there anything that you would say? <laughs> Well, there's a lot. I know I ask these existential questions. Um, Yeah, just uh, probably could have worked harder a bit. (laughs) A little bit harder. Didn't go out so many nights, but anyway. Well, you still became an MP, so it all works out. There's balance, right? It all worked out, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Great, amazing. Um, And I guess going back to some of the campaign work that you do, Mm. is there anything? Well, I know you've touched on what you're working on at the moment, mm. um, but is there anything specific that you've, you've really been a kind of highlight in your career that you'd want to talk about and anything you're looking forward to working on in the future? Yeah, so, I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I've been kind of trying to build, build my campaign around eye health yeah. um, and, and sight loss, and so I'm presenting a bill, actually, yeah. in Parliament over the coming coming weeks, um, just about, you know, wanting the government to kind of... Um, develop like a national mm. strategy for eye health so you know a plan that will really transform eye care services mm-hmm. uh, for people experiencing or living with sight loss in England yeah because we don't have that kind of strategic approach and mm-hmm. you know whilst everything done locally we know it's a good thing but having that national accountability yeah will actually kind of um I think improve kind of the type of service and yeah. care that people get because at present, it's quite fragmented. Right, okay. Um, and I would like to see a bit more kind of, and we joined up working mm-hmm. with primary and secondary care, but also with industry, so with our high streets, like looking at different, like optometrists, like savers and others, how right. they can yeah. play a role in kind of supporting people. Because, you know, every day, 250 people begin to lose their sight, and there right. are an estimated 2 million people um, that are living living with some form of sight loss. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't take action now, those numbers yeah. are only going to increase. And as we have an aging population, and yeah. I have, you know, your sight is degenerative mm-hmm. as you get older. You know, we all yeah. and have lip glasses and so yeah. forth. So, wanting to kind of yeah. see um, some important changes there for me would be really important. So, that's an issue that I'm focusing on. I chair the or party um, group on eye health mm-hmm. um, here in Parliament as well. So. That's one of the kind of the key key things focusing on, and um, all of the challenges um, around housing and um, looking at just the cost of living crisis. So that's yeah, of been course. something that just kind of came on. So, you know, I recently carried out a survey of my constituents, kind of to understand from individuals but also businesses what the impact has been, and kind of you know trying to <laughs> tell the government what they need to yeah. do um, to kind of alleviate some of the challenges that people are facing and. And on top of that, some of the issues around Brexit, because you know, mm. in my opinion, Brexit has been an absolute disaster. Mm. It's not working. It hasn't. We all knew it wasn't going to work. Well, I certainly knew. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to work. Um, but you know, people are still, um, you know, having to face those the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from issues around you know, huge amounts of bureaucracy to shortages of labour, but also the costs of Brexit. Mm-hmm. And you know, there are no benefits, in my opinion. Yeah. Frankly. And. I know many businesses and individuals that also um, agree with that as well. And much of what we are facing, 
you know, the biggest fall in living standards on record, you know, that's where we are right now. Um, as a result, of, you know, as a result of some of the decisions that the government have taken. Yeah. And, you know, on top of cost of living, yes, everyone's experienced it, you know, inflation is high everywhere, but it's more so here because I believe a result of a, a result of Brexit. Right, yeah. And and out of interest, what have been the key themes? Have there been any come through that survey of the impact of the cost of living crisis? Is it housing? Uh, is it... It, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, people are having to make difficult choices. Yeah. You know, and that, that's that that's a challenge. Um, people want to see the government doing more. They don't mm. think the government are, are doing um, yeah. enough. You know, um, support for businesses, like, for example, the energy support package yeah. that was going out for businesses and organisations was only for six months. You know, the government right, created okay. a cliff edge. Yeah. What happens in April? You know, yeah. people need to know. They need certainty because, you know, nobody plans a week by week. They try and plan, you know, a year to six months in advance. So, mm. you know, providing clarity and certainty is going to be crucial here, but also making sure that that support is available. Yeah. You know, so that's why, you know, for me, having a proper windfall tax on, on yeah. oil and gas company yeah. profits is crucial and closing any of the loopholes that have been created to ensure, you know, some of those big big oil giants are paying um, their taxes yeah. here, uh, as yeah. well. Yeah, completely agree. Mm. Well, I think we're coming towards the end, but mm. I wonder whether you could quickly give us... We always end on a more light-hearted question, yes. so... Oh, I love, love light-hearted. <laughs> if you could have one superpower, what oh. would it be? <laughs> I would say the superpower of senses, right? Okay. So, obviously, being able to see mm. x-ray vision would be great. Here, that I can just be in multiple places at once, that I can just fly and hover. <laughs> so, all of those kind of things. I've only got all, 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 all in one. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, and this, the sounds come on. There just to like, let's... <laughs> amazing. Well, it was such a pleasure to speak with you today. Was there anything else you'd want to touch on before we say goodbye? Oh, no. Do you know what? I have to say, it's been a huge pleasure doing this. And I really admire the work that you guys are doing mm. at Milk and Honey. And when I like, visited you and met you guys, and it's just great to see or you know the investment that you make in, in young people as well and just wanting to to see people succeed and mm -hmm. you know that's what I try and do and so I, you know, yeah. I just look forward to, to kind of hoping to kind of work continue to work with you guys going forward no absolutely yeah. well thank you so much thank you oh flesh that's it that's the show if you're still listening thank you we hope you enjoyed it and found something useful that can help you on your career journey we appreciate any feedback or thoughts you might have so if you want to get in touch please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or reach out via any of milk and honey social media channels see you next time on untick the box